Again, if you're visiting, I wanna welcome you personally. My name's Jose, and we are a church of imperfect people, and we're doing our best following the only perfect one, Jesus Christ. We've been in a series called The Royal Family. We're looking at a genealogy, that's right, a series on a family tree. It's Jesus's family tree, so we're calling it, we're calling it The Royal Family because it's Christmas, and so we're celebrating Advent, the coming of the king. So the king is coming on Christmas Day, and that's what the Israelites uh, were, were expecting, the Messiah, the anointed one, to come and to rescue them uh, once and for all. And so Matthew starts his gospel with a genealogy with this family tree. And you would think that Jesus' family would be perfect, what we find is that they are everything but perfect, just like us. We're imperfect. And so if you look at your family history and you're like, man, you don't know my family, Jose. Well, I hope that you find a comfort as we look at different characters in Jesus's family tree and how God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes. Last week, we looked at Jacob. So let's read. Uh, yeah, that's the whole uh, genealogy. Imperfect family, this royal family. We looked at Jacob, and we're gonna start in Matthew chapter one, verse one, which says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, for Jewish readers, they would have read this, and they would have said, whoa, the word genealogy is the same as Genesis. And so they're hyperlinking back to the first book of their uh, uh, Torah, the Bible, and, and they're saying, man, this is the beginning of something new, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we start with Abraham. We see him in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. We looked at Jacob last week, and we saw that God was a God of reconciliation. That's how I would sum up Jacob's story. He was reconciled with his brother Esau, and he, uh, God also calls us to be about reconciliation. So we looked at some of the relational dynamics that we have in our own families that are a little tense. And I hope that as we look at, looked at Jacob last week, you were encouraged to be about God's ministry of reconciliation with those that we may have some distance in between. So we looked at Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez by Zerah, and Zerah by Tamar, which was mom, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab. Next slide. And Aminadab the father of Nashahan, and Nashahan the father of Sam, uh, Salmon, not, not Salmon. This one's, this one's pronounced Salmon. So where are my Salmon pronunciators? Uh, pronunciators? Those of us that are ESL, we normally say Salmon instead of Salmon. I didn't learn until like eighth grade. It's Salmon. I'm like, no, it's Salmon. It's Salmon. This is Salmon, so there's redemption here. Uh, the Salmon father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. We're going to stop right there. Rahab. Let's look at her for a little bit, and then we're going to land this morning on Ruth, a shocking character in the family tree, Jesus's royal line. Rahab, though, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law was a prostitute. In the times of uh, when Israel was coming into the promised land, uh, Joshua at the time sent two spies to check things out before they came and, and conquered. And there was this woman, Rahab, and she knew 
She wasn't a part of the people of God, but she knew that God was the one true God. She was imperfect. She had all of this stuff. But you know what? God can handle our stuff. In fact, he wants to use our stuff to redeem uh, our, our lives and to be a part of God's redemption mission here on earth. And that's why Rahab is such a big deal. And I wanted to just pause there before we moved on to Ruth because Rahab uh, brings, uh, gives refuge to these two spies and then is a part of God's story as she recognizes who? Yahweh, the one true God. So Rahab, uh, uh, Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. So they have Boaz, who is married to Ruth. Well, growing up, I did not watch telenovelas, but my mother did. She's right here. Sorry, Mom, for calling you out. But uh, look, if, if you haven't watched the telenovela by episode three, it doesn't matter what your taste is like, you're hooked. It's weird. Uh, so th these telenovelas are romantic. In the book of Ruth, I believe, is like the ultimate telenovela. And it's in the Bible, only four chapters. It takes you about 10 minutes to read it. So you can go home today, 10 minutes, read the book of Ruth, and say you've read one of the 66 books of the Bible. Pretty cool Ruth is a big deal because she is another uh, imperfect part of the story, a, a shocking addition to Jesus's lineage. We're going to start talking about Ruth. Um, we're going to look at this first verse of the first chapter of the book of Ruth and see four things that we learn from this incredible story in the Bible. This is taking place around 1100 B.C., and in verse one of chapter one of the book of Ruth, it says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So let's stop right there. The days when the judges ruled. The judges were the first leaders of the nation of Israel. There was Moses, and then uh, Moses gave his, the leadership to Joshua as they entered into the promised land. And then there were judges that came up. They had the law, and so the judges kind of executed the law. And here's what we need to know about the judges. They were very bad leaders. They started bad, and then they only got worse. It was a pretty chaotic time in the people of Israel's history. And to make things even worse, there was a famine. And so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So famine leads them to another place so that they can get food. And what we need to know about Moab is that that is an unlikely place for an Israelite to go. In fact, they would only go there in case of a famine. Moabites back in Genesis 19 come from Lot, who had an incestual relationship with his daughters. And so that uh, created this stigma. You can imagine why uh, all the way down. And so the Moabites were, uh, you, you didn't associate with Moabites. Really, really important to know moving forward that Moabites and Israelites did not get along. Uh, verse two, the man's name was Elimelech and his wife's name was Naomi and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab, and they lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Mahlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Four things that this book 
is teaching us. Here's the first one. Life is tough. The book of the, the, these books in the Bible, this storyline that we are given does not promise us prosperity when we have faith in Jesus Christ. It gives us peace so that we can navigate through the chaos. It is filled of stories that are tragic and difficult, and this is one of them. Right off the bat, we need to know that life is tough and God sees us in those tough places. It's the first point that, that, that comes out of this story is that God sees us in those tough places. When Abraham had uh, uh, his first son, Ishmael, through uh, his servant, Hagar, in perfect family, remember, Hagar is exiled into the desert, abandoned, but the one who sees her is God. In fact, we get a name of God from that narrative, El Roy, the God who sees. That may be you right now in a desert season of your life. If you, when you look back at 2021, as, as you uh, think about this last year, this may have been worse than 2020. This may have been the very hardest year that you've ever walked through. And the encouragement that this book of Ruth teaches us is that God sees us in tough places. Let's keep reading. So Naomi hears that food, food is back, and so she's going back to Israel, to Bethlehem. So she tells her widowed daughters-in-law, hey, y'all go back to your people. Go back to your culture because I don't have any other sons. And so that's kind of weird, but we got to know that back then it was common for uh, widows to marry into their uh, family, so marry their brothers. It was a form of protection. It was a form of covering. It was a brother helping a brother out, literally. And so they would be financially uh, uh, protected. They would have property. They would have a home. And so Naomi is saying, I'm old. I'm not, I mean, if I have kids now, then they'll have to be very old until I can help you. So y'all just go back and marry your people. And Orpah and Ruth say no, and Naomi persists. Orpah leaves, but Ruth says this in verse 16 of chapter one. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. That is a daughter-in-law speaking to her mother-in-law. Merry Christmas, mothers-in-law. Can you imagine? <laughs> What Ruth is displaying here is the loving kindness of God. This book, many say that it's about Ruth. Later on, we'll read about Boaz. You can say they, they're the protagonists. They're the ones that are teaching us. Mm -mm. This book is about the love of God. And Ruth is exhibiting God's loving kindness, the Hebrew word hesed, which is faithful through generation and generation. And so in those tough times, what Ruth is teaching us here is that God accompanies us on the journey. God's kindness accompanies us. We are not left alone. And who does God use? 
God doesn't use a comforting spirit or a a word that that is revealed. God uses a person, in this case, a daughter-in-law, to be loving kindness with skin on to her mother-in-law. And so he calls us to be that loving kindness towards one another. This Christmas season is a lot. Is about a lot of things. Presents is the things that my kids are most excited about. I'm excited about a couple of presents myself. But what if we looked at others? What if we saw opportunities that allowed us to be that loving kindness in other people's lives? We'll look at uh, how this loving kindness uh, is defined here as, as we read about Boaz. So uh, Naomi says, fine, stay with me, Ruth and Naomi, go back to Bethlehem. And Naomi changes her name. She goes back and says, now my name is Mara. My name is bitter because the Lord has inflicted bitterness on her. And in verse one of chapter two, we read, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man, a clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. No longer daughter-in-law, go my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the clan of Elimelech. This is important because she just went to a field. The narrative, the narrator tells us that there's this man named Boaz who was a close relative, but Ruth just goes to a field and it just so happens to be Boaz's field. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you're like, man, this was, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And some call it luck, but let's be real. It's the Lord providing for us. It's God's kindness that shows up in the strangest times and the strangest places, oftentimes when we need it the most. It's the love of God showing up in Ruth's life. And more so, Ruth knew that she was now in the people, uh, in the land where the people of God lived. And the people of law, the people of God had the law of God. And there was this part in the law, we're talking about the book of Leviticus, that takes care of people in need. Let me read to you Leviticus 19, verses 9 through 10. This is the law. So this is instruction. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Boaz was a faithful, obedient man of God. It wasn't coincidence that Ruth just so happened to be in Boaz's field. Boaz was faithful to God, and God brought Ruth to the one whom he knew was going to provide for her. Verse four, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Now let's just stop right there. If you are a supervisor of any sort, maybe group of volunteers, or or maybe you like to boss certain people around that you don't even work with, uh, or you're a boss in charge of many, many, many different people, imagine walking into your uh, workplace and say, uh, the Lord be with you. And then the people say, the Lord bless you. Doesn't that sound a little bit like heaven? 
What if we did that for real? What if we actually activated that? What if those of us who are men of God say, hey, in this place, we do things a little bit different. We respect every person and, and what they believe, no, no disrespect. But as your uh, uh, you know, person in authority, I'm gonna say, hey, the Lord bless you. The Lord uh, 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 be with you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Boaz teaches us how to be a good boss here. It's just for free. It popped out. I thought I'd share. Leave it with you. Uh, and then Boaz asks, hey, who is this woman that, that is in my field? And so his workers say her name is Ruth. She came with Naomi, and she's a Moabite. And Boaz said to Ruth, hey, stay with my people. Pick from wherever you want. Don't only pick on the edge. Pick, pick where my men are picking. I, I won't let anyone harm you. If you need water, go ahead and have a drink. Now Boaz is exhibiting Hesed, the same kindness that Ruth exhibited to Naomi. Boaz is exhibiting it to Ruth. Isn't this a beautiful telenovela? I'm tell you what, only gets better from here. In verse 10, Ruth and she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Since I am a foreigner, I'm a Moabite. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This book is not about Boaz. It's not about Ruth. It's about God. It's about God's love. It's about how God sees us in those desert times. It's about how God accompanies us. It's about how God is our refuge. He covers us underneath his wings. In Psalm 91, first four verses says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. This is a promise to all of us when we are hurting, when we are needing someone to just cover us and, and wrap their arms around us. And God says, let me be that for you. And I'm gonna send you my people to be that with skin on. Verse 34 of Psalm, uh, verse 18 of Psalm 34 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in Spirit. Again, a lot of things that we can do this holiday season, but I want to call out those that we may miss out if we just focus in on accumulating stuff for ourselves and for the ones that are underneath our household. Boaz looks outside. He's a, an obedient man of God, and he takes care of the poor. He takes care of the foreigner. I wonder, my friends, who in our path is needing Christmas, is needing the gospel, is needing refuge. Are we willing to see them? And are we willing to be that uh, that they need? Be it food, 
in the sense of Boaz. I think of uh, uh, what we're doing with the food bank, uh, distributing food on Wednesdays, fig tree feeds, kids here in, in Wimberley, Barnabas Connection put on the Christmas store, over 80 or so families, mom, is that right? 80 or so families that we are uh, bringing Christmas. Uh, moms and dads are, are coming into the Christmas store and they're paying for presents with their money, but the uh, prizes are a fourth of the price so that they could afford it and they can, they can have dignity so that they can show to their kids, hey, look, I'm shopping for you. You have Christmas this season. Those are the kinds of things that we are called to do as the people of God. The very thing that Boaz here is doing for Ruth. Are you and I willing and are we aware of the needs so that we can be the cover, the refuge that God is for us? Chapter three is where things get romantic. Ruth proposes to Boaz. I'm t- I mean, telenovela, like, plot twist. Well, what? Whoa. She's on the threshing floor. Boaz is asleep, and he wakes up, and he's like, what are you doing at my, the foot of my bed? And, and Ruth's like, uh, I'm Ruth, and uh, remember me, and I want to marry you. And Boaz says, all right, I'll marry you. True story, read it. And, and, and there's some things, but here's a couple of things that I want to share with you. A, uh, Boaz actually pursues Ruth. Think about the prior story. Boaz is, you know, covering, and then it's Naomi and Ruth. It's, hey, Naomi's like, hey, Ruth, go. That, that guy will marry you. He's a close relative. Remember this kinsman redeemer thing, this close relative. He can actually be the one to cover you and take care of you. So, so go uh, and, and propose to him. And so she does, and Boaz is amazed because apparently there's this age disparity. And so Boaz is older, Ruth is younger. And, and so he's like, well, if you're willing to marry an old man, then right on. And so uh, uh, then there's a problem though. Uh, Right there, right to the happily ever after, but there's a problem. There's a closer relative to Ruth than Boaz. So it's just the way that the deal works. So Boaz has to make sure that this guy doesn't want to marry Ruth, and and then he can can marry her. So it's kind of like a buzzkill, but let's keep on reading, because in (laughs) chapter four, uh, we, we see the conclusion of this story. So Boaz, uh, verse one, goes to the city and uh, to the gate in front of the city, and he sits down there, and behold, the Redeemer. So this is the guy that's closer to, uh, uh, is a closer relative than, than Boaz. We don't know his name, but it just says the Redeemer of whom Boaz has spoken came by. So Boaz said, check out the strategy. This is epic. Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So he's got either a gang or a crew that is just supporting. We don't know their posture, but uh, they're, they're, they're hanging out. And so they sat down, and then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, remember Moab? And he's like, that's, that's a trigger. That's no, no bueno, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I'd tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here in, uh, in, in, in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me and that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. So it's a, this is a land deal. <laughs> what do you think this guy says? Think about it in today's. So if someone's like, hey, there's a, there's a, a prized property here that you, it could be your inheritance. You win? So this guy obviously says, yes, I will redeem it. And then Boaz said, well, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, 
the Moabites, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, Oh, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Why did he not take Ruth? What we know is that he didn't want to change the line of his inheritance. He wanted to keep it pure. Who came from this lineage? I'm telling you, this is not about Ruth or Boaz. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he made love to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive. She gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord. Not praise be, way to go, Boaz. Or, you know, praise be to the Lord for who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer, a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Important, seven in the Hebrew is the norm, number of completions, the perfect number. So think about the perfect number of kids that a certain person may want. And he says that this one daughter is better than those perfect sons. And the Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women lived there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. Kind of interesting. The women, the group of women, name the kid. It's in the Bible, so maybe you want to practice this, and if you're not sure of what to name your son or daughter, you can say, hey, crew, what should we do? And then they can say Obed or, or whatever comes to their mind, and there you go. That's what happened with Obed. And check this out. Obed was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Who is David? He is the king of Israel, who we will look at next week. But I get emotional reading this story because we don't know the man of this uh, who this Redeemer was who passed on with Ruth, but we know why he didn't take her. She was impure. She was imperfect. God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes. And this book is a book of redemption. God is our Redeemer. That's what the book of Ruth teaches us. That no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, we have hope. That's the Christmas story that we could have a new start, that we can have a new identity, that we can be totally forgiven and made whole thanks to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, worship band, you guys can come back up. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Who is he? He is Ruth's great, 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 grandson. That's who, Jesus, the Christ, the one who came for you and for me, the one who 50 plus men this weekend celebrated encounter at encounter by bringing their stuff to God and saying that that was not what was gonna define them, but it was gonna be the Lord and the crucified Jesus and the resurrected Jesus that was gonna define them as sons. And I wonder if you are here in the house and you have yet to say yes to Jesus. This is an amazing opportunity. You don't need to do anything but believe. 
doesn't matter what we've done, doesn't matter how far we feel from God, he is near. The book of Ruth teaches us that God sees us in tough times, that he's actually right there accompanying us through it, that he is our refuge and that he is our redeemer. My hope is as we close in worship, maybe for the first time or for the hundredth time, we turn to him and we say, God, I need your redemption. I need to hand you this issue that I've been dealing with and I want you to make it whole. I trust that you can even use this for your glory and for your purpose. It's the book of Ruth. uses imperfect people for his perfect purpose and is now a part of the royal family. Stand to your feet and pray with me.